Tonight's episode is brought to you in part by Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Download the free app or go to anchor.fm to get started. fellow goths, horror enthusiasts, and children of the sun and moon. I am your humble Los Angeles witch, Moonchild Nil, and welcome to season six of Midnight Tea. How are you all doing out there tonight, my humble listeners? I'm sure you guys, just like myself, anybody living in the northern hemisphere, is finally happy to see sprinklets of fall season coming in especially if you are like us living in Southern California. This past heat wave has been nothing short of unbearable. And it is so nice to finally get a relief from the heat. It was actually even nice just to be outside and have to need a cardigan. Um, Of course, because my collection of cardigans is phenomenal. So I have one for basically every day of the week. And it feels good It that we finally got a little bit of that fall spooky season even though it's not technically fall yet, we're still in summer, but it feels nice to feel it, even getting a little bit of rain, which granted had a little bit of humidity, but it was nice to see the rain finally bring an end to the 110 degree days. So I hope you are all well out there. I hope you have all have been staying hydrated and staying safe. You know, times have been very tough. Um, I've definitely had a little bit of a lapse in judgment and it is, I'm, I'm definitely paying for it in terms of mental stress, um, which I always encourage all of you guys to please always put your mental health first because it does take a lot out of you. It takes a toll. And me personally, I went a little too hard and I'm kind of paying for it now. Nothing that I can't handle, but it was a little scary to say the least. So with that in mind, I hope you guys all make good decisions and do what's necessary to keep you and your kin safe. That being said, I have a very good episode for you guys. It's been a very eventful last two weeks. So let's go ahead and jump on into it. And as per usual, guys, I need to give you that disclaimer that tonight's episode may contain strong language, possible spoilers for books and media, and dark topics. So this is your viewer or listener discretion advised. So guys, we're going to start off this episode, season six of Midnight D, with highlights of D23. Now, for those of you guys not in the know, that stands for D, Disney, Disney, 23 being the year of 1923 when our, our dear and beloved Walt Disney created Mickey Mouse. So there, ergo, D23 Expo, which is a biannually or I'm saying that wrong once every two year of um convention strictly for all things Disney and at this point now all things Disney Marvel Pixar and Star Wars and a convention for three days over the weekend which this year fell on Friday September 9th Saturday September 10th and Sunday September 11th And that is held in Anaheim, California at the Anaheim Convention Center that is right behind the Disneyland Resort. And your girl went for Friday the 9th and Saturday the 10th. And let me tell you that it was an amazing experience. Now, I can't sit there and tell you that I did any panels, but I mainly went just for cosplay and photos. And guys, absolute highlight Now, when I say highlight, that does mean there is a low light or a low point in the convention, but I'm going to save that for last. Um, But you kind of already know where that one's going to go. But anyway, let's go ahead and talk about the highlights. Walking the floor on Friday, I originally was going to do both of my Esmeralda costumes that I had made all the way back in October of of 2020. So these costumes have been sitting around doing nothing since then. Um, if you already follow any of my social media, especially my TikTok, you've seen me already cosplaying 
or worn my cosplay as Esmeralda from The Hunchback of Notre Dame, as I've made both her white blouse outfit with the purple skirt and darker purple sash and the teal um, cincher, and I've also made her topsy-turvy, her topsy-turvy dress tongue-tied uh, with the purple sash and the, again, purple sheer sash that she puts around Claude Frollo's neck. Um, the original plan was I was going to wear both of those costumes throughout the day, uh, wearing the white and purple combo outfit for three hours and then swapping to the topsy-turvy dress for the second half of the day. Um, unfortunately, it rained the entirety of this convention. Um, it actually rained its hardest on Friday. And because of that, it dulled my want to go back and change and go back and forth from my hotel to the convention in that costume. But nonetheless, um, I was pretty much the only person I saw dressed as a full Esmeralda. And I was really, really in love with how much people were responding to this costume. Um, I even had people who were of actual Romani descent who really to- who actually stopped to tell me that I did the character justice by giving her extra details that would only be done with an eye of somebody who actually respected Romani culture. And for me, who I don't believe I am Romani, I will never claim that I am unless I finally do a D20 or D23, Jesus, if I finally do a 23andMe test and I find out that I do have some kind of heritage from that region, I will never sit there and tell you I'm Romani. But for the fact that people of that heritage are actually telling me that I did it justice is a huge, and I can't stress that enough, huge compliment. So thank you to all out there who told me I did a good job. Um, And also a big shout out to a photographer named John York, who I'm pseudo friends with. And he was incredible and took some very incredible professional shots of me in this costume. And of course, I, you know, you can't be Esmeralda if you don't have her goat Jolly with her by her side. I do have a plush of Jolly. Um, That was one that I got way back when in the 90s, when Disneyland used to host a Hunchback of Notre Dame theater presentation and I cried and begged my mom to buy me this goat and I'm glad she did she also bought it for my nephew who was with us at the time he had ended up losing his I don't know where and my mom thought as I got older well she doesn't need that goat you know she's she's a bigger kid now she doesn't need it and she gave it to my nephew and I was furious because he lost that one too so I ended up buying this one back through eBay and it was very expensive but I'm glad to have that plush back in my life. So like I said, because of the weather, because it rained so hard on Friday, I did not swap over into topsy-turvy Esmeralda, though I did bring her. And that is a shame because I really would have loved some professional show, some professional photos of her as well, but it just wasn't to be. But from what I got of just my standard Esmeralda, she was beautiful. Then we walk over to Saturday in which my boyfriend decided to join me for D23 and he and I went as Belle and the Beast, or as the fans have named him, Prince Adam from Beauty and the Beast. And his costume was one that I had to make kind of on the fly within less than two weeks. And let me tell you that if it was not for my friend Kit, which you can find, um, under username T Trey Bat on almost all social media. If it wasn't, if, if not for their help and their mother's help, by the way, uh, my boyfriend's costume would never have been done on time. It was incredible how much help I needed and didn't realize how much I needed until he wore the costume. And he looked absolutely phenomenal. Like, especially if you follow any of my social media, especially my Instagram and my TikTok you will see how much work went into that costume to make him look like Prince Adam. Now, I'm not going to... I'll give credit where credit's due. They definitely did help. The bulk of the of the costume was made by me. His, his pantaloons, his shirt, the jabot, which is the ruffling uh, at the neckline, um, the coat itself was all made by me. But the detail work, I have to give credit to Kit and Kit's mother for all the hand sewing that they stayed up to do to make that costume incredible. And Belle was a, a dress that you guys have seen, if you, especially if you dig deep, deep, deep within my 
TikTok, you would have seen that I had worked on this costume way back in March of 2020 because the original plan was to wear it to WonderCon of that year. But we all know how the beginning of 2020 went. So that costume never got made 100%. I got it up to about 90%, then stuffed it in a garment bag and didn't look at it for two years up until D23 when I decided, shit, I want to wear it now. And I had to rush to finish all the last details on top of my boyfriend's costume. But man, the response we got from this was out of this world. Just absolutely incredible. People loved our look. I even bought the book Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them by J.K. Rowling. Ugh, J.K. But the book fit the theme of what we were going for. Plus, I bought the nice hardcover book, which was blue with with gold gilding, which matched perfectly for me and my boyfriend's look. And it was incredible. And yet again, a special thanks to John York, who took some amazing professional photos of us together. And I can't stress enough how great we look. Like, I can go go on and gush on and on about it. Actually, I will for a second, because there was actually a booth at D23 that was just for wedding planning. But it, the way it was set up was incredible because you could take a photo next to the Cinderella carriage that you get to actually ride in for your wedding, depending on, of course, what kind of um, financial plan you want for your wedding. But we get to take photos next to the beautiful Cinderella coach. You get, uh, they have this beautiful dining table that you can take photos at. Um, and of course, they have a wall of portraits. And me and my boyfriend used that to our advantage of taking photos by the coach. We were actually allowed to sit at the dining table and pretend like we're eating. We even got to walk next to the wall of portraits and making it like it's Beast's Castle. And the videos and photos of that are just incredible. I don't know why, for whatever reason, when I posted these videos on TikTok, they're not taking off at all. They're not even really getting seen. And that breaks my heart because so much work went into making them look as good as they do. So if you get the chance to see those, please give it a like, share them, post it. I know TikTok now does story mode. Please put them to your stories. Get them out there because I worked so hard on these videos and these costumes and it's killing me that they're only getting like 13 likes. When... When I've done work in progress videos of these costumes and they've gotten way more than the end result. And I think that's insane. But as far as taking off on Instagram, the Belle and Beast costumes took off immediately. Like I've never seen any of my videos or posts or reels get anywhere near as much love as they have. Like, I don't know how, but on Instagram, they took off in the best way. So thank you guys to everybody who liked it, who spread the word about it. Because so many of you guys have blogged or shared in your story mode, my, my reel of that cost of these costumes, and it exploded, and I couldn't be happier. So thank you guys so, so much. Please, if you liked it on Instagram, please go like it on TikTok, Morningstar Moonchild, shameless plug. So yeah, like I said, I didn't really go to any, I didn't go to any panels, we just pretty much walked the floor in terms of costumes. And also with my friend Kit, who went on Friday as the amazing Jim Hawkins from Treasure Planet, like, like, I don't care what you're doing. You can even stop the podcast right now. Go to Kit's TikTok or Instagram, T-TreyBat. Go and look at their photos of them as Jim Hawking because it's absolutely incredible. Like, unsung Disney hero. And then Kit's fiance, Brianna Garcia, that shameless plug to her TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, etc. Did a phenomenal Giselle on Friday from Enchanted. And on Saturday, they cosplayed Rapunzel, and ugh, I'm, I'm bad because I never watched the series, the Tangled series, but uh, the character of Mother Gothel's child, who basically becomes Rapunzel's guardian, um, they cosplayed Rapunzel and, and this guardian character, and that, again, that cosplay was incredible too. So please, guys, go give them some love too, because they're not only my best friends ever, but they are my heroes. They absolutely helped me for this D23. And that's kind of the highlights. I mean, there's also the highlights of all the movies that are going to be getting released. Like we're getting Mufasa, we're getting uh, Snow White, we're getting Disenchanted, which is a movie I almost got to see as a work in progress. Hocus Pocus 2, which we've known about for a long while. I also almost got to see that as a work in progress. That just never happened. And so many other titles that I... I'm I'm doing a disservice by just talking about them. You can easily go on YouTube. You can see all of them that they mentioned 
at D23, just straight incredible. But, and this is the big but, everybody has an opinion about this, and you're going to hear mine, is the negative backlash that we are getting about Haley Bailey's performance or upcoming role as Ariel in The Little Mermaid. So this is where it's going to get a little divisive. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm in, I'm in favor of this movie. So if you are not because of Ariel's skin tone, I'm going to tell you right now, this is the part of the, of the podcast that you might want to turn off. Because if you're here to shame me about Ariel being played by a black girl, this ain't for you, boo-boo, because I'm going to voice my opinion. And if you don't like it, you can stop following me. So the hot take on the tea about this is, the minute the trailer was le- the trailer was released at D23 for Haley Bailey performing as Ariel and keep in mind I want this known with Jody Benson's blessing Jody Benson who is the voice of Ariel who has always been the voice of Ariel has given Haley her blessing she even did it on stage at D23 Haley is still receiving incredible amounts of backlash from very racist people, and surprisingly not all from America, about how Ariel is not black. You're mad because a cartoon character, a fictional character, a fictional creature, can't be black. Is this what we've come to, people? Are, are we as adults so pissed off at the idea of a black mermaid that we're going to ruin other kids' childhood? Uh, upcoming children's childhoods because you're mad about a damn cartoon character i love disney i love disney with all my heart i'm also one of the first to admit that their live action movies are not always it okay we sometimes we have some good ones sometimes we have some eh, it didn't need to be made and first of all for a lot of the live action movies that they do make they weren't broke and didn't need to be fixed disney just saw that they can make a little bit of money off these live action movies and ran with it and to each their own. It's their company that can do what they want. But people are acting like these live action movies are the end all be all. Like they're ruining the childhood of, of these people who love the classics. And I'm like, first of all, if these live action remakes are ruining your childhood so much, you probably didn't have a good childhood to begin with. Okay, because the classics are still the classics. They're not going anywhere. For all the live action remakes we get, Sleeping Beauty is still going to be Sleeping Beauty. Lion King is still going to be Lion King. Beauty and the Beast is still going to be Beauty and the Beast. Aladdin is still Aladdin. You know, Cruella was actually a phenomenal live action movie, which a lot of people give grief for, but I absolutely love it. So what's the problem? You don't have to watch these live action movies. If you don't like them, turn them the fuck off. You know, you don't have to give them your money or your time. So why are people losing their shit about a fictional character, a fictional creature, being black? And everybody's like, oh, Disney's just being woke, and this is just woke culture. I'm like, you can call it woke woke, woke culture, because it probably is. But at the end of the day, Disney as a company who's tried to cover their tracks many times for their racism, not just towards black, but other races in general, is trying to make up for the bad that they've done. Because much like most of America, they have valued white skin. Why do you think that there, uh, it took up until 1992 for Disney to make Aladdin to finally give us a princess of color? I really need you to think about this. Disney started with Snow White back in the 1930s. And every princess up until Jasmine in 92 was white. It took them over it took them almost 60 years, almost 60 years to create a princess of color. I need you to say, let that sink in. We didn't even get a proper black princess until 2009 with Tiana. Okay. And people and all these racists are making the exact same comments. Oh, well, what if we made Pocahontas white? What if we made Mulan white? What if Tiana was white? That's not how this fucking works, boo-boo. You have a plethora of white princesses, okay? And it was always put in America and even a lot of other cultures, even Asian cultures, that fair skin, white skin was always going to be more desirable than black, okay? And that's the negative stigma that has went on for centuries. 
Because if your skin was dark, you were frowned upon. You were considered dirty. You were, dis- dis- you were considered ugly. Okay? So, when you look at stories like Mulan, Pocahontas, and Princess and the Frog, Mulan is a historical person. She actually existed. The Ballad of Mulan is based on a real person from Chinese culture. You're not allowed to whitewash this. Okay? Pocahontas is a real person. She was a real person who did live and had a very horrible ending to her life. Okay? Google is free, people. Tiana is a very special case because if you go back and look at any literature about the story of the Frog Prince, look up a golden, look up any fairy tale book about the story of the Frog Prince. It'll always depict the princess as white. So when Disney decided to take this story and set it in 1920 jazz New Orleans, what perfect character to fit the the narrative than a black girl? So what they really did was they took a story where the heroine was always projected as white and made her black and nobody said anything. Okay? When Disney created Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella, the live action movie, in 1997, they casted Brandy, a black girl, as Cinderella. They casted Jason Alexander as the king. He's white. Whoopi Goldberg was the queen. She was black. The prince in the story is Filipino. Again, a hodgepodge of ethnicities and blind casting. Nobody ever said anything. And I, bear- and I guarantee you almost everybody I've ever spoken to about live action Cinderella the Brandy version has always said that this movie is easily in their top three favorite Cinderella's. It's my top three. Hell, depending on my mood, it's sometimes first place. It always ties neck and neck with Drew Barrymore's Cinderella. Uh, the, uh, Drew Barrymore's Ever After, which is a fucking great, phenomenal retelling of Cinderella. So yes, depending on my mood, it could either be Brandy's Rodgers and Hammerstein Cinderella or Ever After. It always teeter-totters between the two, depending on my mood. So what you're not going to do is you're not going to sit here and give me grief or anybody grief about Haley Bailey playing a fictional character that shouldn't even have a skin tone. Because first of all, if you're even wanting to go and be politically correct about it, oh, well, Hans Christian Andersen, who wrote the stories from Denmark, it's, orig- um, it's predominantly white. There are black people in Denmark. There are black Danish people. There are black Europeans. Stop fucking going there. Number two. The original story of The Little Mermaid is not very closely followed, if anybody's ever read the original story, in comparison to the Disney version of the movie. It's not the same. Look up the ending. Number three, even in the book, the mermaid's name is supposedly Marina. And the only description you are given about the mermaid's features is that she had silver hair. They never mention a skin tone. Okay, not only that, Hans Christian Andersen wrote this story as an allegory about wanting to be a star-crossed lover or unrequited love for a gay lover. So this has nothing to do about a hetero relationship, even though that's the, even though the subtext is about an LGBTQ love story. So again, for everybody who wants to have that gotcha moment about Haley Bailey, no, you don't have a gotcha moment. You don't get to play gotcha moments about historical figures of color that should be whitewashed, okay? Because we, um, if there's anything Hollywood has done a lot of in its history is whitewashing certain characters because they don't want to cast Asian characters because it won't have the same curb appeal. Look up Hollywood's history. It's done that many times. Okay, it's it's ridiculous. John Wayne was actually cast to play at characters that were supposed to be Asian or Hungarian. Okay? Cleopatra, who is Egyptian, was played by Elizabeth Taylor. I can go on about how Hollywood has whitewashed characters because they don't want to cast people of color. Okay? Not to mention, again, because it, I'm hearing the consensus is a lot of this is coming from Republican, Trump-supporting patriots, you know, that ilk. That cult, if you will. Um, y'all know that Jesus isn't white either, right? Yeah, that portrait of white Jesus that you guys all pray to is actually based on Da Vinci's gay lover. Not even a controversy, dude. It, again, Google is free. 
So if you really looked up what the original painting of of Jesus was look uh, was supposed to look like from um, his perspective, it was based off of a man that Da Vinci was boning. So this especially goes out to all those people who are like, oh, God hates the gays. I'm like, yeah, but you're praying to a portrait of a man who definitely sucked dick. So, so you guys are going to get mad about a fictional creature being a, a different skin tone than an animated movie, but you're not going to get mad about whitewashing actual Jesus that you pray to. Oh, the, the brain cells these people have, or lack thereof. So, yes, in case you didn't notice, I am highly in defense of this movie. I'm wait, I cannot wait for this movie to come out in theaters, because as much as I don't think it's going to be super phenomenal, it is still going to be a good movie, okay? And God willing, with my workout plan, I do want to cosplay Haley Bailey's version of Ariel. And I will do this with my friends, with my friends who are white, who are going to probably cosplay the original animated Ariel. And again, people, this is not taking away anything from what you remember. You still love the original Ariel from 1989? Watch The Little Mermaid from 1989. But for the new generation of kids that are going to grow up enjoying seeing Ariel look like them, and especially all you fucking racists and just ignorant to how much joy this brings little black girls or any girl of color who finally got to see this trailer, he'll hear Haley's amazing voice, just absolutely beautiful, angelic voice, and said, Mommy, Ariel finally looks like me. Ariel has dreads. Ariel has my skin tone. Little girls, like easily under the age of five, who saw this and their eyes lit up to see that they feel included. If you feel nothing for how much that image affects these kids, you are a fucking monster. Because these kids' eyes just lit up seeing that they could do this too. They can be Ariel too. Don't fucking take that from them. Just because you're mad, just because you're a grown-ass man or grown-ass racist thinking you have a gotcha moment to take away from these kids, you're fucking sick. Let them have this joy. This movie, for all those idiots doing hashtag not my Ariel, no shit, stupid, this is not your Ariel. It's not meant for you. It's not meant for me. It's meant for this generation to see that they can be included too. It's not about your privilege of eh, blackwashing. There is no such thing as blackwashing. Shut the fuck up. What you're not going to do is take something beautiful away from from somebody else that enjoys it. You don't want to watch it? Don't watch it. No one cares. No one cares if your patronage doesn't go to this. But what it does matter is, is that it goes to everybody else who's happy to see inclusion, who's happy to see something different. Because it's not meant for you. It's meant for the new generation that's going to want to see this and actually like it. And you don't get the right to take that away from them. With that being said, guys, that's going to be it for my topics of D23. Um, I wish I had more to tell you. Like I said, I didn't go to any panels. This is just the aftermath that I got and watched. And honestly, still battling online because idiot people will be idiot people. But I hope this sways you to go look at some of the trailers for the movies and TV shows that have dropped from from D23 that most of them will end up will be on Disney Plus or in theaters. Definitely go check them out. Be open minded and we'll see about going to D23 in 2024. And with that, guys, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break, but we will return with more from the podcast after a word from our sponsors. All right, guys, welcome back. So for the rest of this episode, I'm going to give you guys a review of Halloween Horror Nights 2022 at Universal Studios Hollywood. Uh, this is going to be a kind of in-depth, um, with some spoilers to the mazes, review of Horror Nights. Um, if you had not had the chance to go, you may want to just go ahead and skip this second half of the podcast. If you do not care about spoilers for mazes or attractions, then continue listening. So I had the pleasure of going to Halloween Horror Nights on very first opening night of 
Thursday, September 8th. And let me tell you guys, this was very, I was a very spoiled breath that night. Um, with almost all mazes being under 30 minutes, regardless of where I went. Um, now, keep in mind, when I went to this, uh, when I went that particular night on Thursday, September 8th, it was while I was in the midst of doing Con Crunch, which is, I was getting ready for D23, and truthfully, I shouldn't have went to Horror Nights that night, but I did not want to miss it. So I ended up going late, like around 8.30 at night, instead of going the minute it opened, which was 7 o'clock. Or in my case, because I have a frequent fear pass, I also get access to early entry, which means you can go to Horror Nights starting at 6. And I was so busy working on costumes that I worked through until it was roughly 8 o'clock and said, you know what, okay, now let's go. So by the time I drove there, got up the hill, got through security checkpoint, etc., it was at least 8.30, almost 9 o'clock. So it was a whole thing. And this year's lineup, we have eight mazes, which will total out to uh, Blumhouse Presents, The Black Phone, and Freaky. We also have Halloween, the Night He Came Home from Halloween 1978. We also had La Llorona, which has been a maze that has been at Universal twice for Horror Nights uh, that now has made a reappearance. We also have an original maze, Scarecrow the Reaping, as well as another Universal original called Universal Horror Hotel. We also have The Weekend After Hours Nightmare, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, Universal Monsters Legends Collide, Terra Tram featuring Hollywood Harry and Jordan Peele's Nope and Us. And let me tell you guys, this has been a really solid lineup for Halloween Horror Nights. Um, so let me go ahead and get into the details about these phenomenal mazes. Um, as I'm actually currently looking at the Universal Studios app to kind of highlight which mazes are where. So we're going to start with the Horrors of Blumhouse double feature, Black Phone and Freaky. It really does help if you do see these movies beforehand. Otherwise, you really won't know what's going on. Um, with Freaky being a horror comedy with Vince Vaughn about a horror killer who swaps bodies, a horror maniac, serial killer, male, like older male, swaps his body, swaps his soul into the body of a teenaged girl and vice versa. So the girl is inhabiting the soul of the serial killer and the girl is inhabiting the serial killer's body and and very much a Freaky Friday swap and hijinks ensue. So to walk through that maze and you just see this blonde, really pretty girl coming out of lockers and attacking you, you don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. Unless you've seen the movie. Then it also features The Black Phone, which is the most recent horror movie from Blumhouse from the mind of Joe Hill, who, if you don't know who Joe Hill is, it's Stephen King's son. So horror legend writing is in this man's blood. And Black Phone is a simple story of a kid who gets kidnapped by a local, again, you could questionably call him a pedophile, um, or this child abductor named the grabber and he is getting help through the grabber's previous victims through a supposedly an eponymous black phone and the part of the maze that's the black phone is absolutely one of my favorites this is probably like yeah freaky is fun don't get me wrong i just don't find it as scary as the black phone which i personally would rank as one of the best horror films of this year and Honestly, just the black phone segment alone of this maze is what I would put in my top three for Halloween Horror Nights this year. Then next, we're going to move over to Halloween, which don't get me wrong. Michael Myers is my boy. You know, he is my absolute favorite uh, slasher killer in the Titans of Terror that Universal has created. I just feel like there was a massive missed opportunity by not making Halloween about the new Blumhouse that's going to get the new Blumhouse trilogy that's going to be released Halloween ends which comes out next month 
and instead they're going back to the original 1978 classic. And there's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. It's just, it's a missed opportunity to pimp and promote Halloween Kills that comes out next month. And Universal has done this in the past where they have posed, that they've made mazes to movies that are not out yet, and it still ended up being really cool. And Halloween being so well established since the 70s, it's a shame that they didn't go that route. But nonetheless, Michael Myers is still a lot of fun in this maze. It, though it does hit a lot of repeat beats, I still find it a, I still find it engaging and fun. I wouldn't say it's the top or best in terms of its scares, but it still gets it gets the job done. Next, we're going to jump over to Universal Horror Hotel, which is an original maze done by Universal Studios, very much in the the throes of The Shining or kind of mimicking American Horror Story Hotel. This maze has been placed in the in what what used to be the Walking Dead maze. Um, thank God Walking Dead was gone because I wish they would keep this up permanently. This is actually pretty interesting. Universal Creek came up with an original maze on the idea of this man marries this woman who's an heiress to this huge company in like the golden age of Hollywood in the 1930s. And come to find out he was kind of the leader of a weird satanic cult that was basically using the patrons of the hotel as his guinea pigs to for sacrifices or murder. And the entire maze is so well done. I really think even this would be in my top five favorite horror mazes of this year. Um, right up there with Freaky and leading into my next one, which is, I think, again, part of my top three favorite mazes of Horror Nights this year is The Weekend After Hours. Now, I know people are like, what? The horror, uh, the weekend does horror? Yes. Um, I just actually encouraged a bunch of my friends who we will be going to Horror Nights uh, in two weeks to go and watch all the After Hours music videos because somebody created a playlist of the music videos in order of how you're supposed to watch them because they do tell a cohesive story. And I just sat down, sat down and watched them. I believe there's seven of them in total. So you can binge all of them within like 20 minutes, uh, more or less. And it's, first of all, the weekend's music's phenomenal. Who doesn't know his music? I do, I do wish him a speedy recovery because I believe he just played a show in LA and he actually, uh, he actually blew out his vocal cords. So he had to cancel the concert. So I'm sorry to all the fans who went to that show and didn't get a full show. I believe he only made it like two or three songs in and had to cancel. But um, no, speedy recovery to the weekend. But his maze easily has some of the best scares and atmosphere of all the mazes at Horror Nights. And I think that might have been gushing because it's the weekend and he's a very famous pop singer. But... You have to go and view this maze. I, I, I don't even want to spoil it for you other than go watch the music videos to understand exactly what I'm talking about because it's amazing. It's really, really amazing. And of course, they played all his music. They play all the music from the After Hours album in the maze. And what I found so cool is because, again, I'm not the biggest weekend fan. I don't know his music like that, like that. But the people who do in the line are actually dancing. And I found that so fun and engaging that everybody was dancing in line while getting scared in the maze and still dancing Cause, and, and singing along. And like, you know, just people were just in the moment. And I really liked that. No one was on their, no, not too many people were on their phone filming their whole experience. You know, if they were dancing a little in the line, they had their phones out. They're actually really encouraging you not to go into his maze with your phone on because a lot of people tend to use flash and that's really rude please don't use flash people so yes i i like i said it, as weird as it sounds the weekend actually has some of the best scares in horror nights for there we're gonna go to scarecrow the reaping which i'm gonna be honest i'm gonna skip this one because i didn't get to go through that maze so i feel like i'm not at liberty to talk about it so we're going to go since until I actually do have a night where I'm actually able to go through that maze. Next, we're going to go to Killer Clowns from Outer Space. This is a, this is a maze that was brought back from 2018. And as much as I do enjoy Killer Clowns, I just don't see why we had to do it a second time. This was this is an absolute repeat of the 2018 maze, which was cute and it was fun for that night because it was so 80s themed. 
but I don't see the significance of having it this year. I really would have ha- rather have us had Stranger Things 4. Because, you know, Stranger Things. But nonetheless, Killer Clowns is still fun. It's still cute. It's probably just my least favorite maze this year in particular. Because I don't really love it when Horror Nights repeats so, so, in- so indefinitely. Especially to mazes like Halloween where it's like, yeah, we can do Halloween, but... Why not do Halloween Ends? Because it's the new movie. But I digress. Next, we're going to go ahead and jump to Universal Monsters Legends Collide. This was a maze that... This was the first one that they announced that was going to be their maze for Horror Nights. And I think this maze, though not necessarily the scariest, is one of the most beautiful. I think that this maze has some of the most beautiful sculptures. They did not need to go that hard for it, but they did. And we're all better people for it because it looks incredible. Um, The last giant jump scare at the end of the maze is so, so good. I almost don't even want to say what it is because I feel like it ruins the fun. But man, is it beautiful. Like, yes, it's a jump scare. But when you see it, you're like, it's gorgeous. Oh, this is beautiful, beautiful. So I personally love it. Uh, Like I said, I don't think this is necessarily the scariest maze, but damned if it ain't one of the most beautiful. I definitely say, dare say, it's the most beautiful maze up there with the weekend. From there, we're going to go to our last maze that we're going to quickly talk about is La Llorona. This is also semi-original, semi, and obviously based on the Mexican folklore of the weeping woman. If you are not aware of what La Llorona means, that's what it means, is the weeping woman. Um... If you're not familiar with Mexican folklore or Latin folklore of her story, is it, it, it is about a woman who drowned her children in order to impress a man and immediately regretted this decision. So now she is a ghost that walks the earth who pays penance by attacking children who misbehave. And... This maze has been in Halloween Horror Nights in 2012, and I was there the first year that it released, and then I believe they brought it back again in 2016, and now it's back for 2022, and I dare say her maze got bigger and scarier this year, because she's terrifying. This maze is terrifying. Again, in my top three for La Llorona. I don't even want to go into all the details, because to talk about it just doesn't do it justice. And then finally, lastly, we're going to talk about the Terra Tram Hollywood Harry, which I personally think is okay. Um, Hollywood Harry is kind of like a psycho clown theme, which was the first time Halloween Horror Nights did a, the theme of Hollywood Harry. It was to um, it was in twenty sixteen when there was all these creepy clown sightings on the side of the road. And people were just seeing them in the dark of night, just on near the sides of the highways. And Universal decided to capitalize on that. And I think that was a solid idea. So it made sense then in 2016 when they brought Hollywood Harry to Horror Nights. However, I don't think he fits as much this year. Like, yeah, he's still creepy. But I don't think his segment is necessarily as scary as much as it is fun. And don't get me wrong, it is fun. It's just not very scary. I think it's too bright and vibrant to be scary. But what I liked about this is also that it's not just Hollywood Harry. After you pass the Norman Bates house and your photo op with Norman, you get to walk through Jupiter's Claim from Jordan Peele's latest movie, Nope. And it also features the tethered from Jordan Peele's Us. Now... This is a big spoiler for me because this, for me, is what makes the Terror Tram fun. Is you get to walk through the sets of Jupiter's Claim and you see a bunch of these these actors dressed up as characters from Nope, which I personally haven't seen yet. And shame on me for not seeing it yet. But they're scalped, they're, they're stabbed, they're bleeding, and the tethered are all walking around in their red jumpsuits with the one glove and the golden scissors. And they're terrifying. But what really makes that experience special as you walk through Jupiter's Claim and you see all these tethered everywhere is there's a, I guess this is a point in the movie of Nope where all the lights flicker and the town just goes black. And when it does, all the tethered stop scaring 
and immediately just spread out their arms and look to the sky. And they do not break from that until the lights flicker back on and they're back to scaring you. It's such a simple thing that they do. I genuinely find it terrifying and in the best way possible. And I think it's amazing. Um, Also, randomly in Jupiter's claim, there's a little kiosk box that houses these incredibly cute alien dolls, like plushies, that that I'm assuming are from Nope. And I know they're from this company called Trick or Treat Studios because Universal does work in conjunction with them. Um, Trick or Treat Studios is this really fantastic company. They made um, Sam's lollipop trick or, uh, lollipop head into a trick or treat bag. They've also made uh, the Halloween jack-o'-lantern from the first movie into a purse as well. And they make the plushie of the alien from Nope, which reminds me very much of Edward Munch's The Scream. It, that's what the plushie looks like without a mouth. Um, and I must have one. Um, I heard Universal sells them in the park for Horror Nights, but they also sold out. So they're kind of hard. They're kind of a commodity. They're kind of hard to get your hands on. But I will buy one if I find one. Um, but yeah, they have a random little booth that has the dolls on them. You can't buy them. You can't touch them. But it's still really cool to see them. And it makes it really makes me want to see the movie. Nope, so bad. So because of just the Terra Tram part alone that features Nope and Us. The Terra Tram is an absolute cannot miss. It's so, so cool. And I can't even get into all the scare zones because I feel like I haven't been through them enough to give them my full attention and merit them because they really are super incredible. So that's just going to be my quick synopsis of the mazes of Halloween Horror Nights. I highly encourage you guys to go this year. It's really, really good. I ended up getting the Frequent Fear Pass. So even if I only go to Horror Nights for two hours and come home, It's still worth it for me because I'm right there to the park. I'm close enough that I can just go there for a couple hours, go home. And of course, the rides are still open at night as well. So Transformers, Jurassic World, Mummy, Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey. And I didn't even get into the Death Eaters or the fact that the uh, Death Eaters mark is on the castle. It's projected. It's gorgeous. Um, Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey, Flight of the Hippogriff are all still open. I think the only attractions that are closed... Our Waterworld, Secret Life of Pets, uh, Despicable Me, Minion Mayhem, and the DreamWorks Theater, which are rides that you can just be like, eh. And of course, Jabberwockies. I didn't really leave a review for them because, like, for me, Jabberwockies are always hit or miss. It's just if I'm there just to kill time while mazes are, are maybe too long. Um, they're a fun dance troupe. They're just not exactly horror, so I don't get too much of the appeal of that. But I still find them fun and engaging Nonetheless, if you just want to take five, not be on your feet for so for so long, it's a show that takes up a good 20, 25 minutes of you just watching some really talented performers dance. So I do enjoy that for that respect. But also a few do's and don'ts for Halloween Horror Nights. As always, guys, never touch the set pieces or the performers. They're here to entertain you. Do not touch them. Do not harass them. Okay, I actually got at one point stuck behind these really obnoxious kids that were filming their entire Terror Tram experience and kept yelling at the scare actors, the scare actors, to, oh, uh, scare the camera, scare the camera. Granted, some of them did, but some of the scare actors kind of bit back and was like, like getting in the kid's face and scaring them. And the kids were trying to be retaliatory, but there are also obviously cast members that are there to stop these kids if they're getting out of control. But, I, but that's, the, that's really annoying, guys. Like, don't get in them, their faces with your flash on your fucking phone, by the way, and be all like, scare the camera. And while you're simultaneously blinding these actors from doing their job, it's really fucking rude. Don't do that. Number two, put your phone down sometimes and just live in the moment. You don't need to film the entire maze you don't need to film every character's like every character up in their face imbibe in the moment just live in it also and like i said already don't touch set pieces like people are trying to touch all the things inside any of these mazes that will get you in trouble that will hold up the maze for everybody else and you're gonna ruin everybody else's experience don't be that dick Um, Also, the new do's and don'ts of Halloween Horror Nights is you are no longer allowed to bring outdoor food, drinks, or water into the park. I think they're trying to cut down on people bringing in, sneaking in alcohol or 
or I don't know, maybe weed, but and even snacks. So unfortunately, if you need water, your your only other options are to either buy it in the park or you can bring in an empty water bottle or your own. Like if you have like an actual travel water bottle, you can bring one into the park empty and you can take it to any restaurant or refill station and they will give you ice and water as you need. Um, and there's no limit on that and it's all free. So if you want to bring water into the park, you have to bring in an empty travel water bottle and they will refill it for you with ice and water. Uh, I learned that the hard way by thinking I could bring in just my regular plastic bottle of water that I get from my grocery store and they did not allow it. Um, They were like, you can bring the bottle in empty and we can refill it for you, but you cannot bring in any water. Even if it was factory sealed, they would not allow it. They're really, really cutting down and getting very strict about that. And unfortunately, it's their rules. You have to abide. So, yes, bring an empty water bottle or a travel water bottle if you have one. I have like three. So that's the new rule now for that. And I think that pretty much covers it in terms of Horror Nights. Obviously, wear comfortable shoes. There's a lot of walking involved. Bring an empty water bottle so you can stay hydrated throughout the night. Now that summer's calm. Now that summer has calmed down and the weather's not as hot, it's actually a lot cooler now. Um, I actually needed a jacket tonight going to Horror Nights, which is pretty nice. So, but still, it pays to be hydrated. Again, wear super comfortable shoes. Bring a spare battery with your charging cord because, again, when you take photos and videos and you're blogging about this, it pays to have that with you. You can still bring your own, um, your spare battery for your phone. And just have a good time. Also, check out the the Weekend After Hours Bar. I know there's not really a lot going on there. I didn't really talk about it much, but it's it's cute. It's fun. It's a nice place to be somewhere amongst only 21 and up. It is because it is a bar. It's 21 and up. You will be ID'd when you go up there. Um, it's in the um, upstairs lounge to Jurassic World. Uh, there's a big red marquee sign. You can't miss it. And it mostly just has alcoholic drinks and specialty fries. Um, I just actually went to Halloween Horror Nights tonight before I came to record the podcast tonight. And I actually didn't go to the After Hours Bar tonight. I did go on my previous trip on Sunday. But um, I didn't abide. I didn't buy anything at the bar. I might go another night where I may do so. But yes, that's going to take care of my trip to Halloween Horror Nights. I hope this has been a very helpful guide. Also, just a hot tip, if you buy your tickets online, that's better because that gives you access to early entry. So you can even enter the park earlier than 7 a.m. earlier than 7 p.m. to get a head start on some of these mazes, especially if you bought a regular standard stand, a regular standard ticket. Uh, lines can get incredibly long. Um, I've seen the lines get up to two hours each. And trust me, you don't want to be caught in all that. That's no fun. Um, so yeah, buy your tickets online and very much take advantage of early entry to get into Horror Nights sooner. And that's going to be my review. I hope you guys enjoy Halloween Horror Nights. I hope you guys get a chance to visit, whether you're going to do the Hollywood version or Orlando or in this case, even Japan. I know Japan's doing Halloween Horror Nights as well. And look forward to getting scared. Okay, so moving on from this, I have a little bit, as I will always have some kind of version of it, of Monster High news. Um, As of this week, they decided to drop the Haunt Couture Laguna Blue doll. Uh, This would be the fifth, and according to the website, the final doll in the Haunt Couture lineup, leaving it as Frankie Stein, Draculaura, Claudine Wolf, Cleo Denial, and now ending with Laguna Blue. And that's not, I'm not saying this in a form of disappointment. I'm actually kind of relieved because these are very expensive dolls and they sell out incredibly quickly. Um, and as of Tuesday, I believe, was the, when the announcement was made. And obviously this pa- this Friday that just passed, yesterday, um, Laguna Blue was dropped on Mattel Creations and she sold out within six minutes. I'm actually very impressed in how quick she sold. Um, spoiler alert, yes, I did get Laguna Blue, which would now complete my Haunt Couture collection of having all five. Um, my Cleo actually arrived 
I think, the day before I left for D23, but I didn't get to... I didn't have time to post or make any videos of her up until I this this current week. Um, or actually, as of yesterday, I believe, I finally made a video of her. She's now sitting on my Monster High shelf, as I look at her right now, with Frankie, Claudine, and Draculaura by her side, and an empty space waiting for Laguna to finally arrive. Um, I think you, I've mentioned it in my previous video that Cleo actually arrived very quickly. The shipping on her was very fast. Um, yeah, she, within the day I bought her, she was here in under a week and a half. And I'm expecting kind of the same return time for Laguna. Um, but yeah, I was really impressed by how quickly they got here. Now, I must admit Laguna's Haunt Couture doll is probably the my least favorite out of the five. Um, i just not super in love with her look. It It comes off as very 80s prom. And that's fine if that's a look that you like, but me partic- me in particular, I, f- I felt it was a little garish between the the blues and the neon pinks on her, which I guess makes sense if you look at her original core doll, that's kind of the vibe and the look she has. But I feel like it was a little much for me. Um, also, I think her hair went through a design change too, because I remember seeing her at San Diego Comic-Con and she had a side ponytail, like a traditional 80s side ponytail. And going off of the photos that I saw online um, within this week of her Hawkeye doll, like the professional photos from Mattel Creations, she actually has pigtails, like low pigtails. And I have to admit, I like the pigtails a little less. I think the side ponytail is perfect for that 80s prom vibe she was going for. I really did enjoy... If there's anything nice I could say about her design that I liked is she wears this blue see-through vinyl jacket. And I think the vinyl jacket's really cool. She also has a pink rectangular see-through lunchbox that has a fish carcass in it. And I'm assuming that's supposed to be her old fish, Neptuna. R.I.P. Neptuna. But I think it's cute. I mean, her face obviously looks, looks great. Her hair looks great. But the rest of the outfit, this, like, I get it that they gave her, like, a mermaid skirt with a peplum at the bottom, which, in theory, is cute. It just doesn't match Laguna, who I expect to see so sporty. So, obviously, I don't have physically have her in my hands yet. I only bought one. I usually help a friend get a doll, but no, not a lot of people that I know was crazy about this Laguna. Um... And even, like I said, even me, who's not crazy about her, I still wanted her as a completionist to complete my set. So if I could rank the dolls from lowest to favorites in terms of their looks, not to say that I hate any of them. I don't hate any single one of these dolls. I just think the looks that they serve could have been a little better. Laguna would probably be at the very bottom. And I know this might seem blasphemous, but I would put Claudine next in fourth place. Just because I kind of don't love the socks and the green palette on her is a little garish too. Like the like the melon green lining of her coat is a little garish. The undershirt that she wears underneath the black mesh one that's green and pink, almost like a watermelon color, I thought was also a little garish. Like if they just kept her palette purple, purple, pink, gold, fine. But they because they add those elements of green, I think it hurts the doll. Because otherwise I would rank her higher. The next one I would put in third place is Draculaura. I mean, she's the, she's the, she always had the perfect bubblegum goth aesthetic. And that didn't change with the doll. Um, I just feel like with her, there, were, there, there was too many cooks in the kitchen with her look too. But not, not, all in, not all in a bad way. Then it's a tough call, but right now... For first place, it is kind of a tie between Frankie and Cleo because I really, really love Cleo's look. I mean, I think they nailed it in terms of representing queen status, queen bee status for Cleo. And for Frankie, I just feel like a lot of love went into her from the from the, her shoes that have the gigantic electric switch handle to the harness to the the earrings, the look, the hairstyle. Her look is just super, super amazing. So. In terms of the five Honko dolls, that's kind of my ranking. Again, n- none of these doll looks that I absolutely hate. I just feel like this is my kind of ranking of the serve of the looks th- so far. Now, 
I've heard from uh, the designers at Mattel that if you wanted to see more dolls make the Haunt Couture line, always use hashtag tell Mattel. They will listen. And people have argued, like, well, shouldn't we get Deuce? Shouldn't we get Gulia? At least, you know, file out the, fill out the main characters. And I kind of agree that there should be, but I'm also not mad about it because, again, each of these dolls are $75 each. They're very expensive, and to try to even buy them on eBay afterwards is very expensive. So I can understand wanting to stop the series where it is, at least for the time being. But if I personally had any request of a doll that I would want to see make the Haunt Couture line, I would love to see Caddy Noir. I would love to see a Haunt Couture doll of Caddy Noir because they made such a big spectacle of her doll coming out to Target back when she was getting released on, on a Friday the 13th. There was a special standee for her. Some stores released her earlier than Friday the 13th. I got her before Friday the 13th. And I just loved this doll so, so much. And I'm like, yeah. I would love to see her get a spectacular Haunt Couture doll. And yes, I know, I know people either have their other personal favorites like Spectra or Abby or Operetta. And I don't get me wrong, if they made them, I would buy them. But I think right now, to stop at Laguna is a good break pump for some of us hardcore collectors. Because there are, there's still, we still, have, um, we still have the Skelector dolls that are still coming out. I know there's a Wolfman one coming out fairly soon. Um, we also still have the G3 dolls. There was apparently a Monster High convent or a Monster High meetup with influencers that just happened this past week. I have zero words on what happened there because I didn't go. I'm not an influencer. I don't have that kind of sway, I guess you could say. So I don't know what happened. I don't know what all was revealed. And the few friends that I do know that are in the influencer circle that went to this event are not at liberty to talk about it right now. And as they can as they should. You know, I'm pretty sure they signed an NDA, which meant that they couldn't talk about it. So I don't know what happened at at Mattel that they saw that they I'm sure they want to talk about, but just can't. So for all of you guys that ended up getting Laguna today, congratulations, because like I said, she sold out within six minutes when she dropped this morning at 9 a.m. I'm excited to see her come and finally fill out my doll collection on my shelf. And at some point, once Garrett and the designers of Monster High are doing signings, um, my main three are already signed. I do want to get my Cleo signed in gold and Laguna signed in blue. So that way I can complete the set of the dolls all being signed by the designers. And that's it right now for Monster High news. And I hope you, like I said, I hope you guys had a good time getting Laguna. I hope you guys did get Laguna if, the, if that's what you wanted. And I will have more updates when there are more when there is more news from Monster High. And that's it, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in on tonight's episode. Thank you for sticking with me this long to getting into season six of Midnight Tea. Um, I'm glad to say that this episode actually didn't run as long as it usually does because I needed to do a little bit of brake pedaling. Um, it's just been a very hectic week and it's just tr- me trying to put my life back together and not be so neurotic and all over the place um as far as next week goes there may not be an episode on saturday at midnight on september 24th i might be taking a break then just to kind of get myself back in order and there may also there most likely will not be an episode again on Saturday, October 1st, I may try to record, I may try to make that sure that episode gets recorded a little early. So you might get it earlier released, and it might be released on Friday, September 30th, as Saturday, October 1st, I will be going to Halloween Horror Nights again, but I will be going with a bigger group. Um, I don't think I mentioned it, but yes, all these nights that I'm going to Horror Nights thus far, I've been going alone, because I'm, I'm terrifying like that. So... Yes, there there will I will try to have an episode out for you guys September 30th into October 1st at midnight. There I if I can try to make an episode happen Friday September 23rd into midnight September 24th, I'm going to try. I cannot make you promises, but at least expect an episode on midnight of October 1st. 
And I just want to say thank you again to all my listeners, whether you live in the same city as me, state, the same country, or if you're halfway across the globe, your listenership keeps my podcast going and I can't stress enough how much I appreciate it. And as always, you can find me on all of my social media. My Twitter and Snapchat is MoonchildNil. My TikTok and Instagram are Morningstar Moonchild, as well as my YouTube, Morningstar Moonchild. Check them out. Give them a like, subscribe, follow, or share if you like any of the content that I do. With that being said, guys, it's still a crazy world out there. It's still summer. I, all I can ask of you guys is to please remember to stay hydrated out there. Remember to continue to spread kindness because it is free. Stay safe, and I will see you in two weeks. Blessed be.